0: Hey. hey. What's up? Hey, how you doing? So
1: last time I had to jump off and you had, you were like, you had like a bright idea, but I had to run. What was that all about?
0: Well, um, if I had to put it in a, a nutshell, I guess I'd say that, um, there's, I, <clears throat> well, let me, let me just throw this out there. Maybe it doesn't encapsulate it super well, but I'll just throw this thought out there. and it'll, it'll be a good jumping off point. I'm, I'm wondering how much control we have in terms of defining what our beliefs are and, and what our actions are, um, you know how much of what it is that we're doing is a is a a base reaction that's under the radar of consciousness, and then we paste whatever reasons fit. Like, so I could be driven by whatever like selfish urge is driving the moment, and it's so easy for me to fit that into an identity kit that I have complete <laughs> I yeah, that's or um <laughs> you know paced over you know a, it, with you know some highly moral yet sorely discordant with other beliefs you know this is why yeah. I'm so great this is why the hero I am of my story and just never really even have a grip on you know what was really driving it in the first place and i guess my thought behind that is i think we broke things up at one point in the talk last week about oh. um you know, things that you're very deliberately trying to pursue, um, you know, versus things that are just more autonomic. Mm. There was a third category.
1: Yeah. And the, the idea that really caught my imagination last time that we kind of like just barely touched on was, was how, how do you, how do you, why do you believe your own stories? It's kind of the same thing you're saying. It's like, why do you believe your own crap? You know, like, did you even pick it? And so in that sort of deterministic, like, do you even have free will in the first place thing? is it's really interesting to me lately I've been really thinking about that and I am not I can't go I guess it kind of depends on what your what your definition of free will is but I kind of like like don't even want to play this life game if it's a world where everything is predetermined even if I can't know it and then the other thing is well who cares if it's predetermined if I can't know it I still have to wrestle with all the decisions like You know that scene in fight club where tyler durden just takes his hands off the wheel and steps on the gas like that doesn't seem like an interesting way to live your life you know which is how it would feel to me if i was like oh well i'm just gonna like no matter what i do the outcome's going to be the same you know like a time travel movie where you go back and try and fix something but it doesn't actually change anything in the future because for some other it's some other path it ends up in the same place and i'm like well, if that's the way things are, then that seems like pretty nihilistic. Just like, well, what's the point? Like, who even cares? Like, we're basically bacteria on the earth, so gives it crap. But like, morals are stupid. Like, who cares? You know, like, why not just, why not go go full Hitler? Like, why not? You know, I mean, that sounds ridiculous to say, but if, if nothing could have changed that, then what's the <laughs> right? So, like, that's not the world I want to live in. So, I kind of like, I kind of punt on some of that stuff and just be like, well let's keep this a little bit more realistic. Like I do have a, I feel like I have a framework for stuff I care about and morals and things like that. And I think this gets to your question where lately I've been incredibly aware of the fact that I don't make my thoughts like they
0: occur I, to me. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that was like one of the pillars upon which, you know, this, this topic rests for me is like the mind is just buzzing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's not, I'm, I'm not coming up with this stuff. Right. You know, like it's, you can it's even coming see out of, it's coming out of me, but it's, it's very, <clears throat> almost all of it in fact is not something that I'm consciously. Now there are times when I am consciously doing things. Like you said, you have a framework, you try and live within it and so forth. But the, the, um, the idea for that, uh, it's interesting to, I was know, it's just some, uh, artist that was just saying, like I didn't create this is showed up.
1: Yeah, you see, you see it a lot in the arts, where people are, they say they're like channeling a higher power, the art came through me, or something like that. And I've certainly felt that way. Like I've written songs where I'm like, "Where the hell did that come from?" I don't think I'm like channeling some mystical being, but maybe I am. I don't know. But it doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like I thought of it. Like I, I noticed. I noticed the other day, Maggie had. Uh, she came up to me and she was upset, and she said, um, "I had a bad dream yesterday," and. I was like what made you think of that what made you think of that and it's like right there in the language like you don't decide what to think things make you think things like i could say something to you you'd be forced to think it tree like you can't not think it like if you hear it it's in your head like i can inject thoughts into your brain so uh, so and like and then just observing my own behavior and how much of it how much of my actions of course stem from my thoughts it, i started to get really picky about what I would expose myself to because it's going to make me think things. Things are going to occur to me that I may accept or reject, but it's my brain is going to be is like this squirrel. It's like this shiny object detector. And what I expose myself to is going to, you know, whether that's environment, media, entertainment, people, you name it, those those interactions or that sensory input is going to Make me, not encourage me, make me think things. So if I wanna have some kind of and if and if thoughts are the beginning of action, any non you know, non automatic actions, then it's like you need to be really careful what you expose yourself to because it's gonna create thoughts that are gonna re- probably result in actions or could very well result in actions. So I probably
0: shouldn't open that garbage bang in the fourth grade that I found next to the hedge. <laughs> I don't I don't think that served me very well.
1: <laughs> or or whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that story. Do I know that one?
0: Oh, that, well, that's just uh pre-internet exposure to adult content had to be found in a hefty bag on the roadside.
1: Got it. Yeah. And I know a bunch but of people I'm, from our age group that have a similar story and it's like,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking that that becomes a topic with anybody, but then when you're like, you know, you kind of. You know, jump off the cliff, wondering if there's gonna be water underneath you, and then somebody else is like, "Oh yeah, I, I had a heavy bag as well." And you're like, "What?"
1: Oh, everybody's everybody in their fifties has a hustler in the woods story that they found. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. So but then, like, yeah, go ahead.
0: But the the environment matters. I I I agree, and um, and I think that plays into uh, like the topic we were having with with physics. So the the diametric world in which we live, there's you know it's either this or it's that. Um, and so it's, it's gravity or it's, it's, uh, quantum mechanics and it instantly puts, creates dichotomies that may not really be a function of, of reality. Like if again, we have five senses, Mm. we are only able to take in so much stimuli and yet we're, but like, and I remember going to Hendricken uh, for high school and just thinking like, um, well, just hating the idea in the first place, mm-hmm. but then at some point in reflecting on it I was thinking, you know, whatever water level I was at was, I was going to rise and fall with the water level. It's just, you know, a statement as much on the discipline side of you were talking about, like setting up a way of living and living within that framework deliberately, but also I think speaks to like your, the ideas and the environment that you're subject to are going to inform you and in your action.
1: Mm, right. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I think I already knew, you know, you hear all these sort of cliches, like, you know, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. And, and the the thing like art passing through you and it not really being your idea and those sorts of things. But this was the, this, and I think, I, I think I heard this first from, from like either, I think it was on the Ricky Gervais podcast with what's his face.
0: yeah Sam Harris. Sam
1: Harris. And, um and I was like, that kind of explains a whole bunch of kind of cliches and and things that i perceive to be true or I've recognized in my own life in a really clear clean easy to understand way that that was the first time i've thought of it in a way that kind of inspired me to change my behavior and what's funny about it is it's kind of like it's sort of like turtles all the way down because those guys would argue that there's no such thing as free will including your actions because you don't make any conscious action that didn't originate in a thought. Maybe you could find an edge case where you punch somebody or swerve your car in an emergency that you didn't think about, but still you were exposed to some stimulus that produced an an action. And it's not hard to see the logic in like, well, if you're not producing your own thoughts, then you're not really producing your own actions.
0: Well, for what it's worth, I think they have different views on it. I think, um, I don't remember. I I think I heard it pretty clearly in one of the podcast but i could be wrong but I, sam harris i've i've read a lot and i've listened to him a lot and i know he very much thinks that it's 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 a, a physical chemical reaction that is you know driving thought word and behavior but what he doesn't he he has not closed the loop on his philosophy there because he still he's built, he still speaks about um the necessity of of uh punishment and the necessity of decision making and it hasn't. It doesn't quite square because you're just left in this conundrum where he's he's very clearly saying there is no free will, but then but we have this uh but our matter. We have these words, and so it's like, well, he he says, well, you can't throw punishment out uh, because punishment is part of the the conditioning. But mm-hmm. it gets really. It's a super fine line between uh, why, like, do I think that I'm bothering to think right now? Like, do am I? Uh, like the, it's the illusion of, of any choice for him. Now, whereas Ricky Gervais, I think he said it, he was like, I've just decided that I can make decisions. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's my feeling "Mm -hmm." too. That's what I was saying. No one's going to, no one's got any good evidence to the contrary. And it it really, you know, you can stare at your navel all day long and try and imagine if there's free will or not. But at the end of the day, what you really need to decide is if your, if your decisions uh, have consequences and if you should be making them deliberately or not.
1: Yeah. So Yes, and that's kind of where I land on it. I'm super pragmatic about it. I used to, you know, I used to nail games with the best of them in like college and high school. Just like nothing to do, bored. There was no internet, so what else are you going to do? You're going to like think about afterlife and yada 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 yada. What if the blue I see is not the blue you see, and all of this stuff? How do we know? And uh, but I'm just, it's just like most of that stuff makes me roll my eyes now because you still have to get out of bed in the morning and put your pants on. I say have to. You don't have to, but you're gonna and you you at least have the you know, illusion of needing to make decisions. So and and there's nothing don't see anything wrong with making decisions. So like why not? Right. You know, so like what what problem are you solving here by determining that yeah, like what problem is he solving by saying that there's no free will? It's like, okay, like m- maybe like epistemological. I think there's a component of
0: compassion. I think I think there may be a, a component of compassion there where if you if you imagine that that um you know, it's just dominoes falling and, and that person that raped your daughter is yeah. a domino falling.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's a lot more compassion that you can bring to the
1: table. Yeah. That that yeah. whole argument, I, it's an interesting argument about, you know, like if she, if she, uh, died in a hurricane, you wouldn't seek revenge on the hurricane or even a bear. Like you just, you even, would
0: though, people do, but even if you people did, go cur- kill the people bear, curse the gods, they curse the gods for the weather and they, and when after bear attacks, they literally want the bear dead. And uh, but not and, and the like, same well, way as
1: a person. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But well,
0: what was that? What was that? Uh, Har- Harambe, the gorilla that was in the zoo. This kid gets away from his his mom, crawls down into Harambe's pen, and they have to kill the the gorilla. After that, like the gorilla's fine. I mean, the gorilla's in literally in a zoo in a cage. All you have to do is not crawl in with it, and still they had to kill it. What for? Vengeance. Boy. Yeah, you're right. It's nuts, but um, I don't know. I, bringing it back to the beginning of this, because I think where we started was like belief, and what mm-hmm. what do you choose to believe in? And I think that the these questions are impractical around free will, but there is a certain amount of humility that you that it it affords me when I'm thinking about like, and, and also just to try, trying to be more self aware. So I'll, I'll just give you two two examples. Try and be really quick about them. I tend to respond to things that are frustrating with anger, and so I was um, venting to Christy about something that somebody did that was just really making me angry, <laughs> and and she was like, "Well, what do you want me to do? You know, do you want me to do the thing that they're asking you to do? And if I'm being totally honest, I think that is why I was doing that. Mm. You know, it's a pattern of behavior that I have taken on because it's been effective." Interest And when I, when I was embarrassed and I was not honest with her either, (laughs) I said, no, of course, of course I'm not trying to, because part of what I was angry about was the person didn't directly ask me to do the thing. They had manipulated, you know, they'd kind of put it right up and said,
1: boy, it'd be great if someone did this.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so here I was complaining about that to her and doing the The same fucking thing. thing. (laughs) So. I was super embarrassed and, uh, and no, and, and so didn't, even though, yeah, it would have been awesome if she had done the thing and that would have solved the problem and would have made all of my anger go away. Uh, I was like, I was unaware why I picked the phone up to call her. That mm. was the point there. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I think it becomes useful. So to tie it back to the belief thing, um, uh, I've, mm, i'm hesitating to say Let i me- looked into it more but i have noticed more information about you know from science type people who i am pro who i am predisposed to believe are onto something that they that your default mode is to believe something and to disbelieve something requires a second step and and even studies show that even when people are debunked so like somebody says oh um the you know the the fire in the building happened because there were a bunch of rags stored improperly in a closet and then later're they like same same person was like oh update it turns out there weren't we thought there were rags but it turns out that was a mistake there weren't any rags there and then when when asked whether or not the owner of the building should be culpable or at fault or something even though it turned out that it was completely accidental and there was no you know, certainly no malice, but no negligence either. They still would overwhelmingly act as if they hadn't heard that the rags thing was fake. So it's it skews them to be more punitive in this in this example. It skews the people who even the disclaimer the disclaimer doesn't work basically the rea- the redaction doesn't work. So if you if you think about if that if those things are true and you are sort of incentivized to automatically believe something right out of the gate. And then finding out later that it's not true and that doesn't even completely unwind the situation, then it seems like it'd be pretty important to be careful what assertions you're exposed to. You know what I mean? Because there's like, like once it's in there, it's really hard to get it out.
0: Yeah. That's the, I mean, I think that's the gambit that's been played as media has expanded. As you hear it three times, you're done.
1: Yeah. Right. That exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I, I think that like the, where I'm coming at at this from is like, how much do I, uh, how much can I trust myself, mm-hmm. and how much should anybody trust themselves? Because I'm starting to feel like we're we am, want to imagine we're the heroes. We want to imagine that we're complete and that yeah. we're consistent. And really, at, at our at our base, what we're aiming for is a sense of uh, security and a sense of value. Mm-hmm. And We will stack up whatever bricks we need around us to ensure that that security and 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 value slash meaning is present. Right. And we will be wildly inconsistent, and it doesn't matter. So, like, I was thinking about like why it bothers us when someone dies, and we have all these bricks around us right now that contribute to our our identity and our sense of self, and it's a brick that's gone. So now, like, we. Is it not oh, wow. true that we're just that we're just extremely vulnerable to change so and and mm. we see this with with domestic uh violence victims. like change is a very hard thing for all of us. like whatever our identity is, whatever our sense of purpose or meaning is, we're it's so hard to change, and we'll do goddamn anything we can to to maintain. Mm. Uh, so I guess my hypothesis is this that. We will lie to ourselves. We will do everything we can to maintain the status quo view of ourselves to remain consistent unless with the past. Like, right, unless mm-hmm. we're like really vigilant and and really purposeful in wanting to be like, all right, I, I can just drop everything and and, ch- and change everything up. But I just I feel like there's such a a clear track record of disingenuous disingenuousness, and um, you know, obviously not for me, but for <laughs> everybody else. Who (laughs) maintains, you know, multiple fields of cognitive dissonance in their lives. Yeah. And I'm just so vigilant against that. It's, it's really ineffective. Um, Uh, Yeah.
1: I wonder. So, so I noticed one thing you said that really like triggered a uh, recollection was how I felt like a non-trivial part of my history was erased when Mike died because we had so many experiences that only he and I were at. And. That was, there's definitely a sense of loss, but at the same time, it, it could kind of also be, you could interpret it as like, oh, I'm free from that stuff because now no one else yeah. knows. So, so like if those, those bricks, like if, if they were stories about me proving to him that I was a particular way and he was the only person who believed it or knew it, and then that, they disappeared, you know, he disappeared, then that would feel, that could feel like a, a threat to my I don't want to say identity it's more like the proof of who i am like the proof yeah or something like you
0: said two uh two episodes ago that um that uh you would want to learn something but you're not sure if it's so you could say it or not so maybe right. the exercise would be to to guard against this is to be clear about what i've you know kind of built up against my, my shield against chaos right because mm we're, we're born on this rock that's flying through space. It doesn't make any sense. With no,
1: no roof. Convertible.
0: Here's, here's (laughs) like, and there's nobody, there's no daddy that's supposed to come in and, and like, if you pull away the, the daddy, the media, the institutions that are supposed to bring order to it, like Mm. if you strip all of that away and imagine that, you know, you're, you're placed on this earth naked and afraid with, uh, no framework, Mm. um, and look at that as your as a baseline and imagine okay well what's been piled on top of that chaos to bring order in? and and i guess an assumption is we crave order uh, i guess an assumption is we crave status quo and so if i could somehow oh, like try and figure does. out what the fuck i'm trying to cling to mm. then i would know that you know every time something threatens that that i'm going to pull in whatever reason I have at my disposal to justify this kind of more um, sub not subconscious but unconscious action mm-hmm. so I'm going to take all these actions to protect my status quo I may not be aware of it so unless I'm aware of what I'm trying to to protect I, I don't know that I can even guard against it to generate beliefs that are yeah. anything more than me trying to protect what I have
1: mm-hmm. yeah so that's that reminds me of two things one is the I remember an interview with like you know some I I don't remember the name. It was some famous mobster who was like you know I guess you can't call them serial killers, but the, but he just had killed a ton of people and was you know in the course of his job and it, it, but if you if to hear him talk about it, he had a reason. He's like no, like they asked for it. Like he knew what I, I told him not to do that, and he did it, so he got the consequences. Like what was I supposed exactly. to do? Right. So like they're just operating by a different set of rules. They still have their own rules.
0: Mafia is a a great example. I want to be a great American, and I want to and I want to romanticize the mafia. Well, one of them is a a tribal, you know, rule by by force, and and the other is a a democracy that's intended to protect, uh, you know, uh, principles rather than people, Mm -hmm. and uh, the rule of law. It's it's they don't fit, but.
1: Yeah. You, so like, why I is think, it, what, yeah. Well, yeah, what's the attraction of the romantis, like the romantic, how do you say that? Romanticization. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. Cause like, I, why-
0: I don't know. I just, feel, I look at like walking dead or any of the apocalypse movies where, cause some of this is like the difference between like a naked reality versus cultural reality. Mm-hmm. And, and there's like, if, if those are those two frames, it's really hard to talk to the kids about this stuff because you could be like, yeah, people do find beauty. Like, I can't tell you that everybody's neutered from a beauty perspective, uh, but in reality, you're beautiful. You know, like, but culturally, if you had a hundred people look at two people, ninety-nine of them are gonna tell you who's beautiful and who's not. Yeah,
1: like, there's gonna there's, be that's tr- that's
0: yeah. a reality, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, but there's another frame that's not culturally based, that's that's independent of that. And so I feel like some of this of what we've built up around us is on the cultural side and is in denial of like the broader
1: yeah yeah right there's there's multiple frameworks that are not necessarily aligned so you've got cultural frameworks there's also society which is not culture like those two things are different how so uh, i i
0: i think you're right but i I haven't like worked through that
1: society is well i i guess the way i would put it is like society is a hundred percent rules-based and Culture is 100 not so. Culture is almost it's almost like you could look at you could in my mind the way that culture is like available to everyone and anyone could have a cultural breakthrough. But society is so there's no hierarchy to culture,
0: right? So we're immersed in culture, but we're governed by society. That kind of a yeah, thing. that more yeah
1: yeah yeah. So and and there are frameworks to both, and I think you if you see people that have wildly different worldviews, it could just easily be. That they are kind of more prone to one than the other. So, like the starving artist or the rebel without a cause, cultural person, and and doesn't care about smashing the status quo, would love to, kind of like their whole thing. And the the status society is the status quo part. And then you get other stuff later. And I would, I would put I would put laws and awards and anything based on historical title property. I would put all of that in society. Uh, but I would put religion as a third one I, because they're all different ones, you know, so like maybe there's a pretty strong alignment between, like I don't know, like Christianity and the U and, and like U S government. But I, I don't, I think that's just from an organic, you know, if there were, if there were fewer Christians in the United States and more like whatever Buddhists, I guarantee you society would look a lot different and laws would look different if they, if we even went that way. But, you know, I, I just, so like religion feels like a different framework. Not that there's no overlap, but that there that there's not not a hundred percent overlap. And then what else? So what else would I, there be? I'd be,
0: I I think this would be interesting if, if you're up for it. I think I would like to next time we're able to talk. Mm.
1: Let's. Oh God, yeah, I got let's.
0: Wrong. Yeah, let's see. I would like for each of us to put three three beliefs on on paper. Okay. And, I like this. And and do that. Those are the rows. Yeah. And then the columns are naked reality. Uh, culture society and religion and just see what see what we put in the boxes in Mm. terms of like the question being what level of ownership do you have over your belief Mm. maybe yeah something like that maybe if
1: nothing else where did it come from like which game are you playing
0: because i feel like if somebody was hovering over me for a decade they would be able to distill my behavior down to several beliefs but i feel like you asked me what my beliefs are i don't even know if i could tell you any i know uh
1: it's that i mean this is why coaches are valuable because they see right they they immediately can boil it down not that it's a complete picture but they can see the obvious trends much more easily like people maybe not even a coach just like people outside you like i was you know those questions you've been sent having dad answer i feel oh, like yeah, asking yeah, i feel like asking ones about us like because now that i've got little kids and there are like certain things that i'm just like you know, Maggie's totally going to be like this. And I know that even thinking that is probably could affect the outcome. Right. But, oh so
0: God, I couldn't, we could do a whole discussion on that. I mean, I've got Emma mm. with her fill in the blank. Yeah. Do you want to call it a disability? Yeah. Do you want to Call it special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to put her in a box? Yeah. Was all she able labels, to do? Was all she the labels able to do. Who am I handing power over to in the assessment of what her limits are? Totally. I mean, it's, it's, it's a total mind F to try and sort through that as, as a parent. But you, like you said, the, you say things three times, it has a very powerful effect on people's belief systems. Mm. And, and then to my point was like, if there's a status quo that somebody's enjoying and what you're saying to them helps to feed that, um, they're going to want to maintain that status quo. Yeah. It'll feel like a core belief, but they're really just trying to maintain Maybe a self-limiting status quo.
1: Yeah, their mental model, which may be counterproductive. Yeah, good. I love that idea. It's like a little little bingo game.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'll end up putting in the boxes. I don't think I've really articulated a solid question. Right. To, to answer, but look, maybe we just see what we've what yeah. we've got. Right. Because I would just be interested to see what your three beliefs are.
1: Yeah, like who, like how we even categorize, like what even lands there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What
0: beliefs do you have? Right. Or what yeah, would you like, even
1: call belief? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause cool.
0: like, like, let's get a little bit practical about it. You know, like what are the, what are the beliefs that we're interrogating right now, mm-hmm. uh, that we're worried might be, uh, you know, driven by something more convenient than we think, or that are based on false information, right? You're, you've been worried about false information driving a belief. And I think I've been worried about, um, you know, being unaware of the motivation for that belief. Right. <laughs>
1: Cool. I love it.
0: Yeah. All right. That'll be fun.
1: All right, man. Sounds good. Until next okay. time. Until next time. Cool. Have a good one. See ya.
0: Later.